0: Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with your hosts Mackenzie and Micah. We are going to be wrapping up our series on um, the spiritual search from uh, the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. This last section here is titled Knowing Christ in Us. And for this, we are looking at a couple of things written by George Fox. The first one, he says that uh, he was in a church and the priest took for his text these words of Peter. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And he told the people that this was the scriptures by which they were to try all doctrines, religions, and opinions.
1: And when he says this was the scriptures, he means the scriptures are the sure word of prophecy.
0: Right. Continuing. Now, the Lord's power was so mighty upon me and so strong in me that I could not hold, but was made to cry out and say, oh, no, it is not the scriptures. And I told them what it was, namely the Holy Spirit, by which the holy men of God gave forth the scriptures, whereby opinions, religions, and judgments were to be tried. For it led into all truth, and so gave the knowledge of all truth. The Jews had the scriptures, and yet resisted the Holy Ghost, and rejected Christ, the bright morning star. Um, well, he continues on with saying, and this is an outdated opinion, but he says, they persecuted Christ and his apostles and took upon them to try their doctrines by the scriptures, but they erred in judgment, and did not try them aright because they tried without the Holy Ghost. And I say this is an outdated opinion, because uh, the idea that Blaming Jews for the Roman persecution of the early Christians is a little, you know,
1: yeah. off. I think I think I think it's fair to say just just, just to speak to this question because uh, uh, J- Jewish Jewish things come up in the next in the next thing we're going to read too. Um, it's been said that Quakers uh, that Quakers were a Johannine movement, meaning they were extremely influenced by the Gospel of John and by John's letters, and the Gospel of John has an interesting way of talking about. Um, the like the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and and the the the, the religious authorities in 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 Israel at that time, um, John just refers to them as the Jews, and it's really weird because of course Jesus was a Jew, his disciples were Jews, everyone around him were Jews, um, and so but 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 he, but John talks about the people who opposed Jesus just as the Jews, um, and there's a whole historical reason for this that I don't need to get into right now, but.
0: Um, I mean, I thought the reason was that Rome didn't want the blame, basically.
1: No, uh, well, now that you asked. The, re- the reason, the reason uh, that John refers to the people who opposed Jesus as the Jews repeatedly is that um, the Johannine community was living in the midst of a schism where uh, the Jewish establishment was forcing Christians out of the synagogues by basically uh, uh, the Jewish religious authorities uh, when they realized the Christian movement was becoming a thing. Um, started putting into the liturgy um, something where if you were standing there and you were participating in the liturgy, you would have to say that Christians are cursed. Um, and so it was at this time that Christians were basically being ex- uh, excluded. Jewish Christians were being excluded from the Jewish community. Okay, and, and so, so it's it's
0: the point where you go from Messianic Jew to Christian as being like distinct, or or. Because there was like this messianic movement within Judaism that well, was the early Christianity, and then eventually they get distinct groups.
1: Exactly, and and, and it's because and it's because uh, the what today are, the people who are today considered uh, traditional Jews, um, the they were the leaders of the synagogues, and uh, Christ, the Christian Jews were a minority religious view and were pushed out explicitly. And so,
0: right. Told so, hey, you know, you're doing something else different than us. Go and do your own thing well, in your own place.
1: Well, basically saying if you want to keep, if you want to hang with us, you have to say Christians are cursed. Um, so, so that's the context in which John John talks about the people who were against Jesus as being, just as the Jews. When of course Jesus was a Jew and his disciples
0: were Jews. Right. And so really he means more of the Jewish leadership. Right. So it's kind of like saying the Catholics when you mean like the Pope and some cardinals.
1: Exactly. So, Especially when you're talking, it'd be like talking about the Catholics when you, when like, you're talking about the Catholics persecuting a monk who disagrees with the Pope. Right. <laughs> right. So, so anyway, um, when, when, when Fox talks about uh, the Jews persecuting Christ, um, it, it it's coming out of that reading of John, where John, that's how John refers to it. And George Fox is so steeped in the Bible that, and, and I think particularly steeped in John as the gospel um, that it just sort of naturally comes out that way. But I think, I think you need to have that context to understand uh, what he's, what he's talking about there. Um, but I, but I also think that McKenzie flagging it is really good because the fact is that um, throughout Christian history, uh, there's been a really serious problem with theologically based antisemitism. And we need to name that and not pretend that wasn't there. Right. Um, I,
0: I have a friend who has been called a really terrible slur by one of his commanding officers when he was in the marines mm-hmm. on the basis that he's jewish and so therefore he is responsible personally for jesus's death
1: right so i, I think i think i think uh we here at quaker Faith and Pro- podcast uh denounce any such ideas that, that 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 jewish people today are personally responsible for the death of christ um so where were we <laughs> no, we got that very interesting side note um so i love i actually love this passage uh despite despite the, the the sort of uh little trip up uh with George Fox saying the Jews. Um but I love this I love this passage uh from George Fox's journal because he goes into this meeting house uh where uh Steeple House steeple house there we go steeple house um he goes into the steeple house and the priest says uh, he reads from Peter, which Peter says, "We also have a we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place." And the priest says that this sure word of prophecy is the Bible, but of course George Fox knows that the Bible isn't talking about the Bible when it talks about a sure word of prophecy, and he said it's not the scriptures; it's the Holy Spirit that is the sure word of prophecy. Um and, and and the the results of not having the Holy Spirit and just thinking the scriptures are enough is killing Jesus. Uh because the people who killed Jesus, uh or the people who wanted him killed at least, the the, the Jewish religious authorities, they had the scriptures, but they weren't listening to the Spirit.
0: mm mm-hmm. Um and of course there are lots of people who have scriptures, right, and are not necessarily the same spirit. I mean... Absolutely. The Lord's Resistance Army, for another example. Oh, <laughs> um yeah. Which, if y'all not familiar, they're... I don't know what country. Um, Sudan? Is it Sudan? Maybe. I don't know. Um,
1: I think they actually moved through several different countries. Okay.
0: Well, they're a group that calls themselves Christian, and certainly have the Bible, and don't have anything of the Spirit because they do an awful lot of killing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, this, in this passage, I mean, I, we've, we've talked in a much earlier podcast, I think it was the first podcast. Yeah, the first we did. the
0: first episode was um, from the section that is uh, Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Was right. what that was. And we talked a bit about um, bibliolatry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a fun word. Don't forget it when you're playing Scrabble. B- It takes nine letters, so you're going to need to match up with some things. But, um,
1: <laughs> but so this, this is, we're sort of swinging, swinging back to, to this, this really core. And actually, I think this is one of, the most, one of the most, if not the most important Quaker doctrine, as a matter of fact, is that um, the Bible isn't the word of God, Jesus is. And so here, uh, George Fox uh, connects it to the Holy Spirit and says that uh, it's not the sure word of prophecy isn't the bible it's the holy spirit who inspired the bible and uh you know for some of us today this may seem like sort of a quibbling distinction oh sure bible holy spirit whatever but at least i still think it's very a very important distinction and and certainly for uh folks in that time uh, the priests held the bible and used the bible as a weapon and as a source of their authority um when in many cases they didn't know anything about god or they weren't interested in knowing anything about God. They just wanted to know what the rules were and how they could be in charge. Um and that's uh that that's a central a central insight of the Quaker movement and of other spirit led movements in the past that um you can't uh you can't get a lock on God by, by just sort of holding the Bible and saying, Well it says here because uh the Holy Spirit is really is really the authority, not the written words.
0: Right, and I think that's um, something that comes up in a lot of um, the sort of culture wars that are going on in Christianity today, um, where one side or the other of any given piece of culture war will say, well, you see, here's the difference between you and me. My side is biblical and yours isn't. Right. Um, and completely ignoring that, maybe the other person is also looking at the Bible and seeing something different than you are.
1: Right. Yeah, it's 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 a problem. And uh, I think uh I think it's can be it can be a problem uh on all sides that uh we assume we assume that uh those we disagree with um are not taking the text seriously when in fact uh they're they are taking it seriously but they are reading it uh, differently and in a different tradition and context,
0: and mixing up the ideas of literal and serious.
1: Yeah, th- that's an important distinction. Uh, it's possible to read the Bible seriously, and but not, not literally. Literally,
0: um, or to read it um, literally and not seriously.
1: Right. Well, I think I don't. I don't think it's possible to read the Book of Revelation literally, and, literally and seriously. If you read the Book of Revelation literally, you're not taking it seriously.
0: Uh, that's well the oh there's that whole left behind series thing
1: that's not taking it literally that's being very the left behind series as blasphemous and evil as it is is very imaginative with the text they reinterpret okay. all sorts of things
0: okay I've never read it or seen it or whatever yeah um, I, I just know that there's that there are people who believe that you know one day all the sinners are gonna like walk into their living rooms and find their mother's empty clothes because she's gone all disappeared fight.
1: She doesn't get to take her clothes to heaven.
0: Well, she's going to get the starry robes, right?
1: Well, that's fair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Put on a starry robe down by the riverside. Um, so, all right. Um, continuing on with this little section, um, the next reading we have from George Fox in here, and again, mentions Jews, although this time not nearly so ickily, um, says... I was sent by the Lord God of heaven and earth to preach freely and to bring people off from these outward temples made with hands, which God dwelleth not in, that they might know their bodies to become the temples of God and of Christ, and to draw people off from all their superstitious ceremonies, Jewish and heathenish customs, traditions, and doctrines of men, and from all the world's hireling teachers that take tithes and great wages, preaching for hire and divining for money whom God and Christ never sent, as themselves confess when they say they never heard God's nor Christ's voice. I exhorted the people to come off from all these things, directing them to the spirit and grace of God in themselves, and to the light of Jesus in their own hearts, that they might come to know Christ, their free teacher, to bring them salvation and to open the scriptures to them. Thus the Lord gave me a good opportunity to open things largely unto them. All was quiet and many were convinced. Blessed be the Lord. Now, just since we mentioned the Jew thing before, just going to jump back in here and say what Jewish and heathenish customs. We talked way back in the baptism episode about how baptism was a Jewish custom, the mikvah, um, you know, versus also circumcision, um, kosher laws, et cetera, that are not generally followed by um, Christians, they're Jewish traditions, Jewish mm-hmm. customs. And um, however, when he says heathenish customs, a lot of the time he's talking about Catholics.
1: He's also talking about, probably talking about things like Christmas trees yeah <clears throat> Christmas trees are definitely heathenish custom
0: yes uh the the may, ba- may, bale bush may,
1: maypoles
0: <laughs> right may i forgot about maypoles yeah. um and there were still um Beltane jumping over the jumping over the the fires the yule, with that. the yule log no no Beltane's summer okay um the ju- jumping over the so m- midsummer jumping over the the fire and the spirits are near. So, like that was still a custom that was still happening during George fox's era interesting.
1: So I think I think for me the big takeaway from this passage is uh Fox saying, um, the building they were meeting in, because of course the priest, just as many of us, including including Mackenzie and I both sometimes will refer to a building as a church. My my son, by the way, I got a two year old, and uh when we walk by any 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 church building, he'll point and go, Church, church Because that's just sort of what we do. It's an easy way of talking about a building that the church meets in. But um Back in George Fox's day, and I think probably still in some in some communities today, um, there is a belief that uh, I, I mean I know in, in the Episcopal Church today, as a matter of fact, among many others, uh, the building is seen as being actually like a, a, a holy place that has special rules around right. it. Yeah.
0: Um, Catholic churches are consecrated, and before when a Catholic church when when they when their building stops being used for church, then they have to do a decommissioning where they like unconsecrated
1: i heard I heard a suggestion that um the National Cathedral should be deconsecrated after Trump got had his inauguration uh, uh, prayer service there.
0: Lots of presidents have done that, so you know may, 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 politics inside the National Cathedral is perfectly normal. Apparently, as yeah, weird may, as that seems, may, may,
1: maybe the National maybe the National Cathedral was already deconsecrated by so many politicians doing their political stuff there.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I know I know that well, or at least my dad tells me that uh, up in Pittsburgh when a catholic church was um because catholic church has been shrinking and so they close close things and sell off the properties Mm -hmm. but there's a catholic church in pittsburgh that is now the church brew works and that when that was sold to a brewery my dad says that there were nuns picketing outside of course it's been deconsecrated but still but the still, idea that yeah. that that place that had been you know considered a holy place for so long that was uh, I was, was actually too far. just
1: I was actually just in uh, in New York City in Manhattan yesterday and I saw a um a church building that had been repurposed as a gym um and I got to admit it made me uncomfortable
0: sweating with the spirit huh
1: yeah it just it made me uncomfortable Because they had banners outside, and it really, it still really looked like a church building.
0: There's a lot that get turned into like loft apartments and things. Mm -hmm.
1: For some reason, that doesn't bug me quite as much. I don't know why. There's nothing rational to it, but um, I think I think uh, a person from you know the Roman Catholic tradition or the Episcopal tradition might say there's actually very there's something very rational about it because that is a holy place and has been sanctified by the prayers of the saints and by the performing of the sacraments and it's a holy place, and you should feel uncomfortable if they turn that into a gym. Um, and whether they're right or they're wrong, I admit I, I, I get the feeling. But Fox's Fox's point here, which I think is important, is that um, at the end of the day, granted or not that, that buildings can become holy places, at the end of the day, the, the true temple of the living God is not a building, it is the people of the church, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Because that, that was the point of the temple in the Old Testament. Um, was to be a, a dwelling place for the spirit of God, and in our in our time and, and in the, in this in this covenant that we are in with God now as followers of Jesus, the dwelling place of God, the temple of God is us the the spirit lives in us well, and if, so,
0: and if you believe that God is omnipresent you know everywhere, then the idea that he needs a specific house seems a little odd
1: it, is, it it's always been kind of a weird concept. And I mean, I think you get indications even in the Old Testament that God thought it was a, kind of a bad idea um, to build a temple. Um, but in well, except
0: in what's that, Hezekiah, where he's like, "Hey, you haven't built it yet." Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I, I think I think this distinction is important. Uh, where again, in the context of the early friends, uh, the the steeple houses or these church buildings um, were locuses of power and authority. For uh, the priestly elite, uh, and George Fox was 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 protesting that pretty vigorously here, saying these priests don't have don't have a monopoly on God. These buildings are not where God lives. God lives in you, if you're if you're following Jesus and if you're being obedient to the light within you.
0: And um, from that is where I think. Oh, at the beginning of this episode, I said um, that that well, Micah said he was in a meeting house where the priest said, I was like, no, no, he was in a steeple house. And from that is where um, the uh, old-timey Quaker references of um, houses of worship with steeples as being steeple houses comes from, whereas we meet in meeting houses. Um, Although I do know one in Virginia that has a steeple because Mm -hmm. it used to be a Catholic church. I think Catholic. Methodist? Eh, something. Used to be some other kind of church. Um, building, But Yes. (laughs) (laughs) See? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) that um, the idea that the church and the way that word, which I think is Ecclesia, is used in the Bible is refers to the people. The assembly. Not to the building. Because, of course, you know, plenty of, of people throughout time have had worship in a field. Right. Under a tree. In people's living rooms. Whatever. Right. And the church, so the church is the people, right. and the building is either a meeting house or a steeple house.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll often say church building just to kind of right know, to specify, specify. The, the, the building
0: that belongs to the church.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so uh, I think you know it's an important point now that that the church is the people, not not a building, not an institution, but it's the people, it's the assembly of God, it's the people of God, it's the people assembled together um assembled together in the holy spirit uh and i, I think i think it's it was an important it's an important point today it was an important point when george fox made it in the context of uh the institutional church and all their buildings and all their riches being a state power that was coercive uh so even probably even more relevant uh at that point but maybe it's relevant maybe it's equally relevant now too because although in the, in this country there's not uh, a coercive state church um to bring it back to the prosperity gospel, uh, there are, uh, there are a lot of, there are a lot of churches where the building has become, uh, the message, uh, and, and the institution and the structures and the pay structure for staff has become a part of the message. And I think it's, it's healthy to question that.
0: You know, um, actually, so we, we touched on the, the Christmas tree thing, but I suppose this is a good chance to talk about, um, yeah, because it fits in here um, to talk about the on the list of things Quakers don't do because we always talk about our faith in terms of things we don't do. Um, do, we, do we have to? <laughs> um, the so traditionally the not having Christmas trees or not not you know, having th- Christmas. Yes, not having Christmas at all. is um, uh, it the the day some call Christmas? The, the day the world calls. Yeah, Christmas. the day the world calls Christmas. Yes, um, and um that just like we were saying that um there's not the specific holy place of a steeple house um but traditionally friends have not had christmas trees not had um christmas as a specific set aside day versus a thing that you're supposed to just plain remember always um same thing for Easter. The Easter Bunny is not a Quaker cr- tradition. Easter um, Bunny
1: shouldn't be anybody's tradition. Easter Bunny is just weird.
0: Well, that too. Um, uh, what are the... I guess there's the old... the old, Oh, the Days of the Week thing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, traditionally Quakers refer to the Days of the Week not by their pagan names of Thor's Day and... Uh,
0: Freya's Day.
1: Yeah, right. But instead as First Day, Second Day, Third Day, Fourth Day, Fifth Day, sixth Day, Seventh Day. Seventh day being Saturday, first day being Sunday.
0: Right, because, you know, it says in the Bible that, um, on the first day uh, of the week, Jesus rose from the dead, therefore Sunday is the first day. Um, that's how that one gets and so they're like, well, we're just using the names they use in the Bible first, second, third.
1: I I think I think, uh, you know the early Quakers were, were they grew up in a liturgical tradition that had a liturgical calendar and seasons and, um I think I I understand and honor why they broke away from it, but I think they threw the baby out with the bathwater. I personally and I think a lot of Quakers today follow liturgical seasons. Um I pay a lot of attention to liturgical seasons. I, I, I celebrate Lent, I celebrate uh Holy Week and Easter and good I love good Good Friday. I think most of us today celebrate Christmas. Um and yeah, I think I think the liturgical calendar is really great. And I think I think a lot of a lot of a lot of Christians in general um, a lot of Protestants that sort of jettisoned it when they left the liturgical camp. Um, I think a lot of us are, are getting back into it because it is valuable. As long as it's seen, from my perspective, as long as it's seen as a tool rather than a rule.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been surprised um, to encounter... Well, okay, personally, I was very surprised the first time I walked into um, the the meeting room at the, for, for the meeting that I go to now during December. Because I walked in and there was a Christmas tree in the meeting room. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but Quakers. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe my old meeting had one in the basement, but like, it seemed different to have one in the meeting room. For, especially when we don't actually have any spare seats. Um, versus in the basement. Um.
1: But not, not that the Christmas tree is a particularly Christian symbol.
0: Um well right cuz back to the heathenish part. Right.
1: I mean, you know, the the Christmas tree is 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 just a it's just a a seasonal a seasonal symbol of hey, it's winter. We're at the winter solstice. Cool. <laughs>
0: um and so nowadays, um most Quakers don't maintain any of those traditions. Um the exception is some conservative friends. Um because they're traditionalists. Well,
1: I would say actually um, quite a few Quakers that even that aren't in the conservative branch will still use like f- first day or first month, for example. They'll still use that in r- in like official writing for, right, for yeah. like their meeting or yearly meeting, like in the minutes for their meeting, they might just yeah. say first day or first, or first month, things like that. Right,
0: whereas it's only among conservative friends that I've heard people actually like Same. chatting, yeah. like having one tell me, well, we can put thee up on sixth day night, but we have somebody else staying on seventh day night, so you're going to have to find somewhere else to stay.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I'm like sixth day night, seventh day night, Friday, Saturday. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so if you if if just from hearing that you have the impression that you're going to expect to run into some very strict puritanical stuff among Quakers, if you you know if you're somebody who hasn't visited among Quakers yet, and you're going to go try out going to meeting don't expect that strict puritanicalness because um, most of us don't have that. That's very rare nowadays. Um,
1: even those that do are not puritanical about it in general.
0: Yeah. Um, They're just
1: weird. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are just weird. Um, <laughs> um, also, it would seem really odd in the liberal branch. I, personally, to me, it seems very odd that in the liberal branch, we still do the first month, first day, etc. things mm. in our meeting minutes when... We have actual pagans in the room. Like, when your meeting includes Wiccans, it does not make sense to be like, well, we're abstaining from that pagan stuff. You have a Wiccan. No, you're not. (laughs) Anyway, um, this concludes our section on, uh, or the whole series on um, spiritual search through knowing Christ in us. You can find us on the web at QuakerPodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes.